This is the John Oakley Show podcast. I was really interested in hearing about because there's an all-female crew setting sail around the world in various lakes to find solutions for ocean plastic pollution. In some cases, this plastic pollution, it uh, aggregates in, well, islands, but these islands are massive. In one instant, I'm told uh, it's as large as the size of the country of France. This is in the oceans, which is a drag. I mean, you got wildlife and uh, all these other things that uh, you'd certainly like to think we're uh, good stewards of the environment. Anne Jenkins is one of the Canadian women who is uh, on this contingent of people, and she's just come back to Toronto. Her original home now resides in the south of Spain, uh, part of the sailing expedition around the world, looking at this uh, rather tragic scenario. Let's find out what it's all about. Ann Jenkins joins us on the line here on The Oakley Show. Ann, it's good to have you on board, so to speak. Thanks, John. I appreciate your... By the way, uh, this is an all-female crew that's, uh, I guess, going to set sail or did from Plymouth, England. Uh, You've already been out on the high seas? I have been out on the high seas. We set sail um, early October. We spent 14 days at sea. Actually, we were a day and a half arriving back in the Azores. So I've been back on land for about three weeks now. I see. And then one of the, the, the leg, I guess, that you covered was from uh, the south of England to the Azores in the mid-Atlantic? That is correct. So I was on leg one. There are a total of 30 different legs over the next two years that will take uh, 300 different women, 38,000 nautical miles, whereby they will be able to sail through and test uh, water samples through four of the five ocean gyres. All right, and what is an ocean gyre? An ocean gyre is what you explained to your listeners earlier, what some people affectionately call the garbage patch. Hmm. Um, They are um, masses of garbage that collect, um, but it was really interesting learning about what what they actually kind of look like is more, imagine looking into the night sky and the Milky Way. There's not sort of a solid mass of anything. There's a central area that's much denser. And as you get further along the Milky Way, it dissipates. It's mirrored in that same sort of imagery in the ocean when you talk about the garbage patch right? and ocean gyres. And these plastics, they're not breaking down readily, are they? No. Um, most people are aware of the fact that plastics have a shelf life and that their, their uh, decomposition period can be anywhere from five to 300 years or more. And they just simply break down into smaller and smaller and smaller pieces and in some cases end up being ingested by fish and marine life that we as humans end up eating on our Sunday dinner plate. You know, uh, this speaks to, I guess, uh, certain contaminants, obviously, in the food supply, uh, which is, if I'm not mistaken, uh, one of the reasons this is an all-female crew. You talk about 300 women that are going to be on these various legs over two years. Uh, Explain why it is an all-female crew. So one of the drivers that comes to play is that you there there is a much larger push for women in stem research and it was it is an opportunity for women to be more involved in certainly from my perspective on the citizen science side of things but in general women in stem is there is a big push around the world for that as an as a career however one of the things that we've learned is that when you start to ingest plastic it it, it embeds itself into your own dna and one of the founders of X Expedition, Emily Penn, had herself tested and has 
something crazy, like 26 of the 38 markers in her system indicate that she has that much plastic. And the only way for her to actually get rid of it from her system is to have a baby. And so that DNA of that new child will already carry plastic in its system. Wow. Uh, all right. So it's quite impactful. And I'm told these, exactly. are, these are also hormone disruptors. They are hormone disruptors. And so there's, um, there's scientific research that's ongoing out there that looks at um, questions around plastic and hormone disruption with respect to things like uh, fertility issues, early onset puberty, menopause interrupters, um, fertility issues in general. Um, and, and so these are, obviously these are societal issues, but they impact women on, a, on, a, on an individual basis and then impact the world as a whole. Again, with Ann Jenkins, Canadian woman, she's back in Toronto, but uh, part of an expedition sailing around the world in 30 legs uh, over two years to check on the uh, plastics that are in our oceans in these principal gyres or floating islands. Where are the principal ones? Uh, you, I guess it's sort of been sussed out satellite-wise and otherwise? Yes, absolutely. So there are five, and it's really interesting when you look at the, the placement of them. If you visualize a world map and you were to look at where the equator is, none of the gyres are in the equator because above the equator is where there's water flow patterns, and so circles of of uh, garbage and, and ocean debris can center in the North Atlantic, and then others settle in the Southern Hemisphere. So you find them in the, pardon me, you find them in the Indian Ocean, and you find them in the Australia waterways, etc. So there are five of them that have been mapped out by scientists around the world that basically look at water patterns and where those sit. Now, because it is water, they move. They are not a fixed object. So the more the more we have things like hurricanes and melting ice shelves, they move drastically because the water currents themselves are impacted. And it's uh, said that uh, one of the biggest ones, uh, most notable, is in the North Pacific. So is that uh, something that would impact the shoreline, the west coast of Canada? Absolutely. So um, I, I think a lot of your listeners would remember back to the the big tsunami a number of years ago that took place, and you know many you know in in Asia and Japan, and and years later, years later, plastic and other ocean debris from that tsunami was washing up on the shore in in Vancouver and, and on the west coast of North America. And if you think about that, not only did it just travel that far, but in its traveling period of time, which took years that plastic was starting to disintegrate and disintegrate and, and drop its, its um, debris into that part of the world. So, Anne, uh, the first leg that you were on from Plymouth, England, uh, to the Azores in the Mid-Atlantic, uh, what did you find? Well, it's kind of crazy. One night, or one afternoon, excuse me, there was this yelling from up on board, and we all ran up, up, up on deck, and there was this fully formed takeout polystyrene tray in the middle of the ocean. We were five days from land. We'd been sailing that long already, and there was no reason that that was there. And it's kind of awe-inspiring, and not in a good way, where you see this object 
that you associate with takeout food and eating and then entering the recycling system, but it was nowhere near land. Where did it come from? How long had it been floating out there? Why was it there? It's, it's, it was really distressing to see something so in, in such perfect condition so far away from land. Um, well, at the same time, we did... Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, well, possibly dumped by somebody from a cruise ship or a cargo ship or something. I don't know, unless... Uh, look, there was a story, I guess, I was reading yesterday where uh, somebody had put a message in a bottle in New Jersey and it ended up in France nine years later, so the ocean currents can uh, work all kinds of wonderful things. So that might be uh, what you're alluding to here. The oceans have become effectively uh, a dumping ground for a lot of uh, these plastics and... I'm guessing some countries are probably not as environmentally conscious as others, and they just see it as a big dump site. Uh, I mean, is there anybody that we would indict more so than others or uh, where these plastics are coming from? I think the sad reality is that when you look at, at the generic concept of reduce, reuse, recycle, recycle was supposed to be the last-ditch effort. You were supposed to first choose reduce, and then you were supposed to choose reuse, and then you were supposed to choose recycle. And unfortunately, humanity chose to skip the first two and go straight to recycle. And the reality is that there are limited options for countries around the world to properly recycle. And there is such a small percentage of the actual items that are put into the recycling stream that actually can be recycled. And it's, it's through no fault of, of will it is actually through the, the fact that we just have such a massive amount of it that even if we keep collecting it, there's nowhere for it to go to be properly um, uh, destroyed. Well, can we ever recover it significantly? I don't know. I, I, I don't know if I'm really the right person to answer that question because my one of the really big things that I came away with was that maybe the question needs to be asked in a different way which is, where does the solution lie? And if the solution doesn't lie at the consumer end, where does it really lie? And one of the things that we talked about with the 14 women on board that come from such different disciplines in this area is that it really needs to start at the source. And what that really means to us is that we need to look at different visionary ways of creating a replacement for plastic that is beneficial to the planet or at least causes no harm. Well, there was just a couple of months ago a story of a young man from Holland, I believe, uh, who decided, you know, he'd invented some kind of a system to corral some of these plastics and went out into the ocean. The initial attempt failed because uh, he couldn't get to plastics that were submerged below a certain level. Uh, are you familiar right. with his attempt? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I think that there's some great entrepreneur work that's being done out there by some um, very, some great visionaries who have been able to amass a lot of interest. And what it's done is it's brought the story of plastic up to the forefront. And the reality is that just because you have an idea and it might not it might not work out the first time doesn't mean that you can't go back to the drawing board and fine tune it and tweak it and and find a solution that works around it. There's all sorts of things out there that we're now starting to see bubble systems where it forces uh, debris in water in, in, in waterway systems to be pushed um, against shore so at least it can be collected. Um, you know, the, the 
organization out of Holland that you were, the gentleman you were talking about out of Holland, he still continues to go back to the drawing board and his team still continues to make modifications. Um, and I think that the more the energies that we put toward these endeavors, at some point there will be um, the miraculous, aha, this works in, in this particular kind of environment. In the meantime, as you say, pushing it to shore, uh, maybe one direct and immediate solution, because I know you're involved with a beach cleaning organization you set up called Playa Patrol in the south of Spain. You started that last year. How's that going? Well, um, we've grown really fast, really, really quickly. Um, our, we started in October of 2018, and our most recent beach cleanup, uh, well, actually, during our first beach cleanup, with less than six weeks' notice, we had 350 volunteers come out, and it was an amazing afternoon. Um, but our most recent beach cleanup was, uh, a, we were able to coincide it with International Coastal Cleanup Day, and we had 916 volunteers who came out, and they collected over 101,000 cigarette butts in under two hours. Hmm. Um, and a lot of people aren't aware of the fact that cigarette butts themselves are comprised of 97% plastic. So when people smoke a cigarette and they flick the butt, the residue that's left is 97% plastic. And then that toxin, once it goes into a water, waterway system, impacts the health of fish and can cause them to die. Interesting story. Uh, and I appreciate you coming on to tell us all about this uh, expedition sailing around the world in two years, uh, three le- 30 legs, uh, all women. And uh, you had your uh, run between Plymouth and the Azores, and now you're back in Canada and Jenkins. Good to talk and uh, raise awareness. Appreciate your time. Thanks so much, John. You got it. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.